Welcome back to another installment of the podcast for cultural reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute. This is Worldview Wednesday. Our host for today's episode is Ryan Eras. Welcome back, one and all, to the podcast for cultural reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute. We are here uh, this side of Easter, this side of the resurrection, and it is a delight to be here. Uh, Before we move move further on that theme, uh, Nathan, what do you have for us in terms of housekeeping? Well, uh, a few items we've been talking about for for weeks now, but we have two Mission of God conferences coming up, Mm -hmm. and uh, one here in the Niagara region coming up very soon on May the 21st, and we've just added another conference out in Edmonton, Alberta for June 18th. And each of those conferences, we're going to be discussing utopianism. And uh, you can find much more information on either of those conferences if you go to our website, ezrainstitute.com. Tickets are on sale for both of those conferences now. Mm. And uh, just another heads up that our premier training program, the H. Evan Runner International Academy, is coming up June 5th to the 15th in Golden, British Columbia. And uh, we still have a a small handful of spots left in the program. Mm -hmm. And uh, we still have a few uh, 50% bursaries available as well. And uh, if you want to see if you qualify for one of those bursaries, go ahead and send us an email uh, at info at ezrainstitute.ca and we can give you some clarity on that. But yeah, a few spots available. Yeah, great. A few bursaries available. Yeah. It's a shrinking or a tightening uh, handful of spots there. That's right. There are, we've been doing interviews yeah. Every week. Yep, that's right. So very limited number of spots left. Um, and also, I mentioned this last week, but uh, be sure to subscribe to our monthly resource email. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can do that just by filling out a contact form at the bottom of our homepage. And uh, in that email, you'll get uh, our top resources from the previous month. You'll get any ministry updates we have. And, and that will increasingly include details on our expansion that's very much moving forward uh, into the United States and the United Kingdom. Fantastic. Yeah, thanks, Nate. Yeah, so as I mentioned, uh, we're here uh, on the uh, on the other other side of this uh, this Easter weekend. Had a hope you've had. We certainly have had a, a wonderful time of fellowship, uh, celebrating and commemorating mm-hmm. the victory that uh, that Christ uh, secured on Good mm-hmm. Friday, and then declared and demonstrated on uh, Resurrection Sunday. Mm-hmm. And we thought it would it would be worthwhile. You know, we we're guilty of Christianizing Canada. We're guilty of having an overrealized eschatology. <laughs> <laughs> we thought it would be worthwhile just to discuss We're happy some to claim the, that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll take the shot. <laughs> what are, what are some of the the implications this side of the cross, what is uh, what does the resurrection demonstrate and accomplish and uh, entrust? What is what is Christ entrusted to us to do in light of the resurrection? And and just to add to that, Ryan, I know at each of our churches, many baptisms happen this weekend. That's right, as well. Yes. So now we're going to be looking at you know now what in light of the mm-hmm. resurrection, in light of several baptisms that took place in packed out churches that we attend. What what is our call? What is our mission? Yeah, good, uh, good one there. Well, it's an interesting thing to reflect a little bit. Wednesday, as we come out of Resurrection Sunday, uh, on all that it actually means, and uh, I think it's um, it's the challenge that we face now, even as Christians, is that because we've reduced the gospel to gospel headlines, mm. we have a kind of message fragment now mm. today. Jesus died and was raised to life. Okay, that's the message fragment. But what's the context of the message? Hmm. Um, it's uh, it, you know when you when you read a headline in a newspaper like uh, the house was burned down or uh, the um, uh, the banks are the banks are panicking or uh, whatever the headline might be. Hmm. You actually don't even know whether it's good or bad news until you read the the whole story. I mean, the um, the man the ha- is trying to buy Twitter. <laughs> right, <laughs> heard something about that. 
<laughs> because even a message fragment like you know the house has burned down well if it was a if it was an old tumble down ramshackle place mm-hmm. that was a danger to the community mm-hmm. and had been people had been waiting for the for the local authorities to take it down mm-hmm. and the news was that you know the house has been burned it was full of dry rot or whatever it may have been that's actually a good news story so yeah maybe that was your job to burn the house down exactly um so we've got to, we have to get past the message fragment and the headline uh, and that's what we try and do as a ministry really is getting beyond gospel headlines to the fullness of the gospel you often use the word truncated mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the truncation of the message uh, that we sort of are trying to push back against to say, well, there isn't really a, a simple, good old-time gospel uh, that can be separated from the revelation of the Lord uh, in the Scriptures manifest in its fullness in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I like at uh, the Easter weekend to go back to, first of all, the reality of creation, um, that human beings... Uh, occupied from the very beginning a royal station within creation and we cannot understand who the lord jesus christ is and what he accomplished at the resurrection for us unless we understand that he was fully man mm-hmm. and uh in in an important respect we're created in the image of god we're created also in the image of christ and mm-hmm. adam in the garden of god is actually called um a son of god is actually in the genealogy of Jesus in Luke 3.38. He's, he's called Son of God. And he comprehended, Adam comprehended the unity of all human beings who would actually come from him. So we were literally in Adam mm. and were royal representatives of God the Son in paradise, and we fell into sin in Adam. I mean, if you don't have that, there's no need of Good Friday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's certainly no need of Resurrection Sunday. That It's creation... In Christ, uh, our human nature is linked to Christ's human nature. Uh, and in Adam, the whole unity of the race was comprehended and we fell in him. And so we have this central position in creation. And so we actually have a royal role uh, within creation. As we think about the implications of all of this, we have a royal role that is bound to Christ's identity. And uh we actually have a we have a, we have a royal we were given a royal role at the very beginning as vicegerents in creation in the garden of God, and uh, if we don't understand that, the the nature of human beings as image bearers uh, that Adam was the son of God that that he comprehended all of us in himself, and that that uh, Christ has come for this for this fallen humanity that are kingly priests. Actually, we miss the keynote of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And Joe, just quickly, I know you in your writings, you often use the, the, the term vicegerent. I wonder if you could explain that for people that maybe haven't heard that term before. So uh, uh, sometimes we the expression vice-regent is used, um, mm-hmm. but um, which of course means um, a, a king who rules alongside. Mm-hmm. A vicegerent is one actually who rules as a trust or as a charge underneath another. So I think it's it's more accurate to speak of a vice-gerent mm. than a vice-regent. Mm, right. um, Doesn't it, a vice-regent kind of carry the sense that you're the, a steward of the throne, you're like the king is absent? and Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yes, exactly. The, the, the vice-gerent is one who there's definitely an implication of subordination there. Right. And uh, so I think mm-hmm. that's quite important. Right. But mm-hmm. that's why we talk about that, because the the... The image I want to pick up on as we just talk about this for a few minutes is creation as the whole of creation as God's garden and our first parents being put there as gardeners uh, to cultivate and turn creation into a God-glorifying uh, culture. And uh, the our, our first parent in whom we fell in because of his rebellion against God with our first parents, um, the the whole world remains God's garden. But the problem is now that uh, the with the fall, the gardening started going awry, and mm-hmm. the garden itself offers up resistance mm-hmm. to the gardener, thorns, thistles. It, mm-hmm. it 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 offers resistance to our cultivating work, and. 
there needed to be a, uh, a restoration of, of paradise through the new man. And um, if, we take, if we take that image of, of creation as the garden of God, uh, we actually see in Scripture that the, the Son, um, God the Son, uh, walked with the gardener that he had formed in the cool of the day in, that, in the world's first garden in Genesis um, 2, uh, verses uh, 7 to 8. And um, we know that the sun was there from the beginning. We see that in Proverbs 8, 22 through 31. He's there rejoicing in the creation. And uh, we're told that uh, the Lord walked with uh, our first parents in the cool of the day in that first garden. And that, that fellowship was intimate. And um, I think it's not unjustified to say we're dealing with a Christophany there, a theophany. We're dealing with um, uh, a pre-incarnate, representation of the Lord Jesus Christ walking in the garden with our first parents. And uh, we often on the show, Nathan, talk about, you know, Adam and Eve's task being to tend and to keep. Mm-hmm. That's the, the vicegerent's role, to tend, mm-hmm. to keep, to exercise dominion. But they were forced to leave the garden. But but the, the, the beauty of the gospel is that at the moment they're being forced to leave the garden because of sin and rebellion a promise is actually made. And um, I want to read um, the, the echo of that promise because the promise is made in Genesis 3.15 that the seed of the woman, one born of woman, is going to bruise the serpent's head and he's going to restore the garden and restore our fellowship with the gardener. And um, we see that initially expressed in the fact that, uh, you know, in Genesis chapter 12... Abraham is called, and uh, a new seed uh, is going to. This is the this is the line. Of course, we see in Genesis, you know, uh, three through eleven, we're seeing Cain, Abel. We're seeing these two seeds in history develop. But Abraham is then called out of of the Chaldees, and he's told that in him, through through his seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed. So we have then a, another essentially gospel promise. Apostle Paul says it wasn't the seeds as to many, but the seed, which is the one, which is Christ. So it's a specific reference to Christ. Mm-hmm. And he's actually promised a garden to cultivate uh, if he would be obedient. And it's called Canaan. The people of Israel are told there'll be a promised land. It's flowing with milk and honey. And if they cultivate it faithfully, if they obey God, um, they'll inherit the land. And of course, they forfeit that land grant as well. Mm-hmm. And then finally, if you if uh, you look here at Galatians four, Galatians four, beginning in verse four, the scripture says, "When the time came to completion, or some translations say, when the fullness of times had come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons." And because you are sons, sons of God, in other words, Mm -hmm. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. And what a beautiful statement that is, Mm -hmm. that uh, first... When the right time came, when the the times had come to their completion, God sends forth his son. So this is the fulfillment of that promise in Genesis 3.15. Here's the moment of completion. And the gardener finally comes again to his garden. And it's through him, it's through the gospel that we as, as sons of God now have this spirit of adoption. So we're no longer expelled from the garden uh and uh alienated from god we're now adopted back into the family of god as his sons like adam son of god and if sons then heirs what are we heirs what's an heir well an heir is somebody who's inheriting everything Mm -hmm. and so what is it that we're inheriting we're inheriting the whole earth so we are the the meaning of the death and, and resurrection of christ is that is that we are now adopted as sons. We receive that spirit of, of adoption so that we can call God our Father. And as sons, we are now heirs. 
So, so the set, the son of Adam is born of a virgin and, um, let's fast forward from the, from the birth of Christ to, uh, his death. We just talked about Ryan Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. The Garden of Gethsemane. We have these two gardens that feature mm-hmm. at the end in the sort of culmination of the symphony of Christ's ministry. And the first is is the the Garden of Gethsemane. It's not it's not a wilderness that like he walked out into uh, after his baptism. Uh, recapitulating the journey of the people of Israel. Now he's in a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. And while he goes to pray prior to going to the cross, the disciples are sleeping. So you get a sense there that once again, the gardener is left, God the Son is left alone in his garden. He's left alone again. He's abandoned again. Uh, They couldn't even watch one hour. And uh, there in the garden, he confronts the reality of the death that was pronounced on our first parents in that first garden in Eden. And then he goes out from that garden to taste and experience the bitterness of death for all of us. And then on the cross itself, we have this remarkable reference to a walled garden. What what am I thinking of? I guess you could say there's really three gardens then in this last uh, moment, this last episode of the core features of Jesus' ministry is that there on the cross, he's asked uh, a question. An appeal is made to the Lord Jesus as he is on a tree. And that's interesting, isn't it, of itself, that the the scripture is very specific. Cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. Mm -hmm. And it was there at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that our first parents fell into sin. And the Lord is nailed to the tree. And while he's there, the the thief on the cross says, who has defended the Lord, he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And that's really important to remember that, that he's talking to Jesus, that the man is asking him about the kingdom of God. And how does Jesus reply? This is in Luke 23, 42 through 43. I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. So here, kingdom and paradise are being used synonymously. Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. Today, this very day, Jesus says, I tell you, you will be with me in paradise, in the garden of God. Um, And what this means is not, as it's sometimes interpreted, uh, I'll see you in heaven in a few minutes. That is exactly not what Jesus means, because in fact, we know from Scripture that Jesus wasn't in, didn't go to heaven at that point. In fact, he specifically uh, tells Mary in the resurrection, don't hold on to me because I've not yet returned to my father. Right. So uh, the, the, the today you'll be with me in the garden is uh, a fulfillment, really, of what Jesus cried out a few moments later, we see this in John nineteen thirty, where he says, he, as he breathed his last, it is fulfilled, it is finished. Tetelestai, it is finished. Uh, and so what Jesus was saying to the thief was the lost garden that was lost by the first Adam is being reinstated now by the last Adam. All the requirements of redemption, in other words, for the restoration of creation are fully met by my death, by my sacrifice for sin. Every believer's passport, present, future, for all time, every person who has been bought by the precious blood of Christ, at that moment, their passport was stamped. Resurrection life at that moment. It is finished. Today, all the requirements have been met for the restoration of the garden of God of paradise. That's what the Lord Jesus was actually saying. And we know that because at that very moment, what happened to the, at the temple in Jerusalem? The curtain, the veil uh, to the Holy of Holies is rent from top to bottom. And what was the Holy of Holies? In fact, what was the temple itself? But a depiction of the garden of God. There the cherubim, 
is guarding the way to the presence of God. Remember the cherubim over the mercy seat, mm-hmm. all the decorations, the pomegranates, the the flowers, the beauty and glory that we're told about in the book of Exodus. That's even on the robes and garments of the priests. It was all a picture and an image of Eden. And there, the high priest, again, a representation of Christ and of Adam, serves as a kingly priest in Eden in the presence of God. And that curtain that separates us, was separating us with the cherubim, from the presence of God is torn from top to bottom. Everything necessary for our entrance into the very presence of God to walk again with the gardener, to be in that intimacy of fellowship has been done. It's been fulfilled. It's been complete. And the temple curtain was rent from top to bottom. And the final scene and I was reminded of it vividly yesterday as I was watching again with my children, which we do every Easter time. If we can't watch it on the weekend itself, we watch it a day or two later. This uh, this film called The Miracle Maker, mm. uh, which is the, the story of Christ, these amazing puppets, Russian uh, puppets. It's a remarkable mm. uh, depiction of the life of Christ. And um, I was reflecting on it as I was watching this again, that the place that the Lord Jesus is buried, when he's taken down from the cross, he's taken to a garden tomb. Mm -hmm. It's a new sepulcher. Nobody has ever been placed there before. And so the gardener is buried alone in the garden tomb until there's a couple of circuits of the sun and then Mary wanders into the garden tomb and she mistakes the resurrected Lord for the gardener, mm-hmm. or did she mistake right. him? Mm-hmm. She thinks it's the gardener that's talking to her as he walks, as the Lord Jesus walks there in resurrection power. That's not a mistake mm-hmm. that that's recorded in, in the Newer Testament because mm-hmm. here the last Adam, the head of a new race, the head of a new humanity, who is fulfilling in the way that our first parents could not and did not, the creation mandate of human beings to rule and subdue, to be faithful and obedient in creation to the Father, to turn it into a God-glorifying culture. The gardener, who is the vine dresser, is now in his garden walking in resurrection, life, and power. And shortly thereafter, of course, we know that the great Lord of creation, the gardener himself, is, is ascends into glory, and a human being... A man, fully man and fully God, today sits at the right hand of power and majesty on high, Mm. bringing all things into subjection. And so because we are in Christ, we're heirs, we're joint heirs. We are his brothers and sisters. We're in him. We are, again, a kingly priesthood. And so Paul says we're seated in heavenly places, and therefore we participate, and this was the rub, Nathan, which was a long way around for touching my nose, I know. But uh, th- we are now, raised in Christ, are now participating in Christ's ministry of reconciliation as he subjects all things to himself. Because mm-hmm. we are in him, right. and we're seated with him. Mm-hmm. And all authority in heaven and earth belongs to him. So as we come out of this resurrection weekend... And we've been thinking about Good Friday and the resurrection life and power of the Lord Jesus. This is what it means to us Mm. that the gardener, the true gardener, the Lord of all creation, has restored us to fellowship with himself and in so doing restores us to our true calling to exercise dominion Mm. and cultivate all creation to the glory of God in obedience and faith Mm -hmm. and to serve the reconciliation of all things to God. Right. So then, Joe, I mean, as workers in, in his garden, um, we're all aware there are, there are many weeds in the garden presently. Good and, image. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Real uh, stretch to bring that in. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I reached for that one. <laughs> but, good, I mean, as, as, no, as, as, as much as, uh, you know, we hear from people all the time, you know, uh, they, they wouldn't see it this way, but ignore the weeds, you know, stay in your lane. Focus on this one particular plant. Well, we recognize that if we ignore these weeds, they're going to choke out. Yeah, they're going to choke out the fruit. So, what um, what might be some of the weeds that, as culture makers, as gardeners in his in his garden, we should be attentive to, responding to, dealing with as Christians? Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, all forms of apostasy and idolatry constitute weeds in the garden because mm. anything that would hinder. 
the growth of the kingdom of God, which, of course, that's why Jesus himself links the kingdom and paradise on the cross. Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom, your rule and your reign. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Paradise is the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's only consummated when Christ returns. It only comes to its fullness and its completion at the return of Christ. In the meantime, everything is being brought into subjection. And that means, as you say, mm -hmm. dealing with all kinds of weeds. Of mm -hmm. course, they begin in our own lives, right. in our own hearts. Yeah. So we have to mm -hmm. be conscious of rooting out first the weeds mm -hmm. in our own life that would choke out the word of God and the, and the, and the, re the reign of Christ in our own lives. Mm -hmm. And of course, weeds don't stay within the human heart because the human heart, being the center of the human person, expresses itself in every aspect of life. So it enters politics and law mm. and education and the arts and there you left the you left the lane already yeah <laughs> so i'm out there <laughs> yeah. now it's beyond uh you know we have a tendency to see the heart as this sort of emotional mm. center of my personal piety right. only but it isn't it's the root of the human person it's the it's the root of our it's the undivided center of the person that expresses itself everywhere and so anything where christ is not reigning and ruling mm. Um, which is given over to idolatry or given over to apostasy are weeds in the garden that we have to address. Mm -hmm. And if we don't, as you say, they, they, they choke out the, the, the good seed mm -hmm. of the word. Mm -hmm. And so we're wanting to plant the word everywhere, watered by the Holy Spirit, and that means dealing with weeds at the same time. That's right. the, actually the mm -hmm. image Jesus, Jesus himself gives of mm -hmm. his word going into various different kinds of, of soil. So um, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that we could probably talk a bit about today for the second part of our show today is uh, the weeds in the area of law. We just came out of discussing a series, a, a mini-series. We talked about God's law, mm -hmm. and, and uh, we talked about some of the weeds in economics yeah. last week. Yeah. Um, one of the things in the Canadian landscape right now, for example... Um, and maybe we can talk about some of the issues in the United States and in the UK next week. But um, this week, as we think about Canada, uh, we've got some pretty serious uh, legal weeds growing where we've got an apostate direction for law. I mean, can, can you help us with, uh, can you guys help us with uh, some of those right now that we're, that we're facing? Yeah, I mean, where, uh, where <laughs> to begin? Yeah. There's... Mm. No shortage of, uh, I guess, apostate mm -hmm. laws being uh, brought into place. It's been uh, a bit of a dark day around here, digging into <laughs> the details of yeah. some of these laws. <laughs> why don't we? Uh, why don't we start uh, closest to home and uh, closest to uh, recent memory? Uh, this is a run through uh, what has actually come into law here in the province of Ontario. Bill 100, mm. enacting the Keeping Ontario Open for Business Act, 2022. That sounds like a euphemism, if ever there was one. <laughs> it's so, it sounds so positive, right? Doesn't it? <laughs> who, who Doesn't it? Uh, who wouldn't be interested in this? But listen to this. What it does, this act establishes prohibitions and enforcement mechanisms. I'm quoting here from the Ontario legislature prohibitions and enforcement mechanisms to prevent persons from impeding access to, egress from, or ordinary use of protected transportation infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And uh, and even, if I could just jump in, Ryan. Please. Um, on, the, on the piece about protected transportation infrastructure, in the bill itself, it actually mentions that that particular definition could be expanded at any time through time-limited regulation at the government's discretion. Right. Right? So... So unpack that, uh, Nathan. Well, I mean, you, they basically, in real time, are able to alter that definition of what exactly constitutes protected transportation infrastructure at their, at their whim. So Might this be it, aimed at political dissent? Are we talking essentially here about... I mean, we just... With the truckers' convoy, right, obviously, sure. as a target of, yeah. uh, of this, that they're essentially introducing yet more legislation mm -hmm. to prevent political protest, mm -hmm. That's right. political dissent, yeah. um, people being anywhere that would actually allow them to make their voice heard. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I, and of course they, you know, it's, it's at, like I said, at their discretion. So, I mean, the obvious implication is 
if they don't agree with the ideology behind the protest, well, that definition of what constitutes protected transportation infrastructure can be changed right then and there. Then seize vehicles, freeze bank accounts, what have you. So that reminds us of the problems with our, you know, the Canadian Charter itself, where in Section 1, the fundamental freedoms are limited by whatever is considered reasonable, reasonable and necessary, um, uh, by the government. Mm-hmm. So right. uh, you're saying that this, this, this law is flexible enough to allow uh, the state to redefine yeah. um, what constitutes... Right. That's exactly right. That, that's and, correct. Yeah. There are 17 sections in this act. Half of them uh, are about expanding police powers. Mm-hmm. Goodness me. In terms of arrest without a warrant, confiscation and seizure of vehicles or other uh, vehicles. It's telling there, isn't it? What you mm-hmm. <laughs> Arrest without um, warrant. So we're also talking in, in, and this, for our listeners should be aware, is not a tabled bill. This is passed. That's correct. And from what I understand, it was passed on a voice vote yeah, after right. hours. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to avoid proper and full debate. It was supported by all parties, of course. The Liberals yes. and the NDP were supportive of it. Uh, I should say the Liberals and, yes, the NDP, and the right? NDP. This is a provincial bill yes. in Ontario. Yeah, so the Conservative Party, capital C, that's their name. That's not what they stand for necessarily. <laughs> yeah, for that's a good qualifier. Our, uh, mm-hmm. International yeah. listeners, the Conservative Party is currently in office under yeah. Premier Doug Ford. And the, uh, the and they snuck this through. They, they were the ones who uh, who ran this through. It's in, it's incredible. It, it it represents. I mean, arrest without warrant, seizure of vehicles, uh, uh, again without uh, due process, is actually represents. I think as as I've looked at this bill, it represents two things. One, uh, a radical clampdown, or what we might call it, the, fundamentally the end of genuine political dissent the, right. the, the the end of an ability to mm-hmm. genuine gen, generally and genuinely express political dissent through protest mm-hmm. it also represents the end of due process i mean if you can have your your bank account or your your vehicle or whatever or be arrested mm-hmm. uh without warrant mm-hmm. um and and without charge we're, we're actually seeing due process collapse uh, in the name of protecting the state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's Bill so 100. That's Anything Bill else 100. on that well, one? Why don't, we, uh, why don't we loop back to the implications of the resurrection? Like we are, there's a, there's a really interesting dual image that you, uh, you brought up there of God's people and uh, uh, following Christ himself as, on the one hand, king, on the other hand, gardener, mm-hmm. uh, to hold forth dominion, in this uh, in this garden that uh, that we've been placed in, what's how do how do we go about rooting up weeds like this? Mm-hmm. What's the uh, what does dominion look like here? Kind of sounds like we're up against it. In uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course, the as most of you will know, the the easiest time to deal with weeds is when they're still quite small, right? And uh, you know, they haven't got a uh, you know, you start going after the dandelions even when they're when they've matured and they've become, um, uh, you know, their roots have become many inches long. They're much mm-hmm. harder to root out. The difficulty we've got now culturally is that we've neglected these weeds in the law uh, and the direction of the state for so long that uh, we're not just pulling up weeds anymore. We're 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 pulling up um, invasive species. Uh, that have uh, that have, have overrun the garden. Yeah, these are those big vines with tendrils that snake around and choke out your, Absolutely. your trees. Mm-hmm. To, to extend the analogy, that's mm-hmm. where we are. So really, we, the, 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 the task now is very much the long-term uh, game, mm-hmm. the long-term view. Maybe game is the wrong word. Um, and uh, we the, the only way to, as you know, deal with... Um, weeds is you can't just pull off the leaves you Mm -hmm. could go around trying to say oh well what we need to do here is amend try and get amendments to these bills try and just vote a um a different person into power 
just try and find somebody who's got a modicum of conscience and try and deal with one or two leaves. But the reality is pulling off the leaves of, a, of, of the weed don't kill the weed at all. Mm-hmm. They just come back mm-hmm. and, and uh, they, they, they sprout stronger. You have to go to the root. Everybody knows that about gardening. And um, to get to the root is harder work, takes longer, um, but that's what we have to do. We have to get to the worldview route, and we have to mm. begin with those who are supposed to be doing the gardening. And who are the ones doing the gardening? Well, it's the it's the kingly priesthood. Uh, non-believers are actually not commissioned uh, to be in Christ as gardeners, right? They, they, they're still in rebellion and sin. They're m- moving in terms of apostasy and idolatry. In that sense, the fruit of what they're doing is what we expect mm-hmm. from the fruits of idolatry and apostasy. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's our obligation and responsibility to uh, to garden in terms of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. They're still gardening with Adam in that sense, <laughs> in disobedience and apostasy. We're now gardening with Christ. Mm-hmm. So we have to get to the root. That root, as we, as we often say here, is is to do with fundamentally to do with world and life view, and we have to begin in the life of the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that means recovering a Christian view of of law and recovering a Christian view of politics to begin with, and then educating our own children and families and community in it so that we can address these issues that are actually laws are downstream then of culture in that sense. They, they are, they reflect changes in, in, in the cultural direction. Mm -hmm. They, it certainly the influence goes the other way. It might that these sort, these sorts of laws reinforce statist idolatry. Uh, but they are, uh, typically the product of it that's why all the parties were supportive of this mm-hmm. that's why there's been almost no hue and cry about it yeah. uh the state is accruing to itself and seeking to take away from people and by extension uh to to remove in these different spheres the people from being able to obey the lord jesus christ mm. um so that's so we have to get to the root and that's why we think what we're doing as a ministry is so foundational. We're not the only people involved. We're part of a, a much broader work of God mm-hmm. culturally. But what we're trying to do is is poison that root. So right. sometimes you can't even dig these things out. They're too far down. You have to apply some some uh, some weed killer. Yeah. yeah, and on your point about getting to the religious root of, of worldview, um, and the worldview behind some of these nefarious bills is a great segue to the next bill we were hoping to discuss. And that's another provincial bill mm-hmm. called Bill C-67, and it's known as the Racial Equity in the Education System Act. And uh, Another there, high-sounding bill. That's right, exactly. They know how to name them, don't oh, they? Oh, yeah. 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 Who, who could be against any of that? Exactly. What stage is this bill at for the, our audience? This just passed uh, through the second reading in the house so it still has to go to a third reading and then we'll be moved on toward the uh the senate mm-hmm. uh, but it's but moving it, right it along it needs to go it's, through it's, senate though it doesn't get royal assent that's ex- yeah that's right but it but it's moving this is swiftly a provincial along. or an ontario bill it's a provincial oh. yeah it's a provincial bill for the province of ontario Do provincial bills need royal assent uh mm-hmm. bill 100 did right okay, oh, okay. that's a good good point constitutionally mm-hmm. um I'd have to brush up on that. Yeah, but l- let me just read some excerpts from the bill here, and we can we can discuss, uh, like like you've mentioned, Joe, the, the religious root at work here. <laughs> so here's one, one excerpt from the bill reads, at least one person at any decision-making table is trained in racial equity. This is something that the, the law would enforce. Uh, implementing anti-racism and racial equity training for teachers and requiring school boards to create and implement racial equity plans. And then the next point following is including performance appraisals related to a teacher's anti-racism awareness and efforts to promote racial equity. And I just want to jump in there with one more uh, mm-hmm. bit of grist for the mill there. Yeah. Uh, this also this uh, bill also modifies the Ontario College of Teachers Act yeah, right. to require that a person successfully completes any require any prescribed examinations and training in anti-racism in order to be issued a certificate of qualification and registration. Mm-hmm. For teaching. So, yeah, so anyone who is in teacher's college or intending to go through it, mm-hmm. this is going to be 
part of the core uh, requirements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So obviously, what we're dealing with here is is uh, critical theory. Yeah. Right. It's the neo-Marxist yeah. agenda, mm-hmm. uh, the humanistic agenda of the state being essentially mandated and enforced throughout right. all state education, all mm-hmm. government education in Ontario. And no doubt, what will happen is that this this, if it passes, which I'm sure it will. Um, will be used as a model then for the other provinces. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And will be pushed by the federal government as, mm. the, as, a, as a model for the other provinces mm-hmm. in education. Mm-hmm. And obviously the goal um, is the, is the um, mandatory indoctrination in neo-Marxist ideology of all school children mm-hmm. uh, into critical theory. And, and of course, this has very serious ramifications for Christian teachers in the system. Absolutely. Yeah, right, because this excludes them. This effectively decision making table yeah. that's explicit mm-hmm. in the bill. So this is another facet of what you're seeing now is not just the ostracization and marginalization, but essentially the denial of the ability of genuine Christians to participate in mm. public life right. in, well, the, in the sphere of education. Yeah. Well, why? So, like, say say more on that, um, because one one of the possible implications of that statement is that Christians are racist, so they can't uh, hmm. they can't contribute. Hmm. Well, I mean, I, as, as a Christian teacher, you're mandated here to promote ideologies that are inconsistent with your faith, really. That's, that's what I mean by you're, you're mm-hmm. now excluded from that table. They're not going to appoint you to that decision-making table if mm-hmm. that's what you're holding to. It's relevant, of course, that we've talked about Adam, Christ, and the resurrection uh, today in, in view of this, um, because uh, from a scriptural standpoint, there are no races Right, right, yeah. There is only the human race. Mm-hmm. We are all in Adam. In Adam, all die. That's right. And then in Christ shall all be made alive. Mm-hmm. So there are not races. There is only one human race. We're all children of Adam. And we're all uh, offspring of Ham, Shem, and Japheth, three sons of Noah. Um, and therefore, we are all intimately related. And uh, yes, there is human prejudice. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a variety of issues, and there always has been. And the only thing that really overcomes prejudice uh, is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, where mm-hmm. around the gospel, uh, as we come around the, the Lord's table, as we, as we come to the covenant in the Lord, uh, of grace in the Lord Jesus, every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, and what does the scripture say? It's beautiful, it links it all together, have been made a kingdom of priests right. unto God and they shall reign forever. So the only answer to prejudice is recognizing that there is, a, there is one new race in the Lord Jesus Christ of every ethnicity, every language, every tribe, every tongue who are being made a kingdom of priests. And as Nathan said, that makes our message antithetical to the artificial social constructionism and uh, I should say deconstructionism of critical theory. Uh, that tries to destroy every norm, every standard that God has established uh, within creation, um, it tries to destroy every social structure, mm-hmm. and has the particular goal of undermining and destroying what's left of a Christian civilization. Mm-hmm. Well, um, even even in the bill, it, it talks about, you know, the policy is combating racism such as anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. Well, for a lot of these critical race theorists, that means any kind of criticism whatsoever. So as a Christian Correct. teacher, you disagree with these ideologies. Well, now you're racist. Yes, if you, uh, if you raise uh, criticism of Islam, for example, mm-hmm. um, then you are Islamophobic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's noteworthy that you don't see Christophobic in there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's only those that are supposedly subjects of oppression. Right. Well, so, even uh, even anti-indigenous racism. So you, ref- you refuse to uh, host a smudging ceremony in your classroom, which happened all the time in the public system. Well, yeah. now you're anti-indigenous. Now you're, right. Now so it's the enforcement of paganism. Yeah, right. right. It's yeah. interesting. I was reading a, a, a book last night called The New Legality. Um, interestingly enough, it was published in, get this, 1967. 1967. It's by Hebden Taylor. And uh, it's a fascinating, uh, I, I'm sort of partway through, but uh, um, there was a fascinating introduction to the book actually written by R.J. Rushdooney. Oh, I've heard of him. Uh, yeah, we've all, we've all heard of him around here. And um, 
he is uh, setting up the book. Hebden is is writing in the Reformational tradition of uh, Hermann Doiverd. And um, uh, Rashtuni notes about the, he's talking about uh, humanism as a worldwide religious force. The secular secularization, humanistic pagan thinking as now a worldwide uh, force that, um, of course, is, you know, expressed uh, in the uh, motive of the United Nations. Um, and he notes that uh, it's, it's the mo- it's the most what we're seeing in these laws it's the most intolerant and exclusive religion mm. and uh, i, I want to read you a quote from it he says no creedal expression of religion is permitted other than humanism on this view we're seeing it now in the law i continue the quotation other religions can exist only if they become humanistic only for example if christianity divests itself of its biblical faith and becomes a vehicle for humanism in every area, there is steady pressure against Christianity and continued attempts to abolish discrimination as to creed by making the humanistic creed the standard of all law with respect to religion, the state, and morality. We are in the midst of a worldwide humanistic legal revolution which is even more radical than the bloody revolutions of humanism. Humanistic law, moreover, is inescapably totalitarian end quote now that was that was uh, written in 1967 um and uh that's 50 odd years ago mm-hmm. right uh and already uh these men were seeing the signs of this and uh th- this was another telling statement in the introduction that i thought was so reminiscent of the last two years. He says, and I quote, for humanistic man, the world is a prison house, a closed world in which the unlimited state bangs shut the door of man's cell and leaves man in solitary confinement without appeal against the state because there is no higher law over the state. The state's law is absolute law. Only the state can correct the law of the state. And at any given point, the law of the state is beyond appeal. The law of the humanistic state is the infallible word of the state for the moment in history. And he goes on to point out that tied to this idea of this totalitarian law is the idea of power. So he says it also lacks all such limitations on its power so that its total power reinforces its total law. The state thus unites absolute power to absolute jurisdiction, and it inevitably claims absolute competence. Mm. And, uh, you know, I could go on with some of that, but so we're running out of time there. But um, this notion of total law, absolute power and absolute competence is what we're seeing, Mm -hmm. whether it's Bill C-11, which is another one, Mm -hmm. uh, which is trying to bring basically every form of content right. under the uh, broadcast act yeah mm-hmm. under under the uh, federal broadcast act to control content again it's about equity diversity whether it's uh bill c100 and stamping out um due process and the, and the right of political dissent uh whether it's um 67 mm-hmm. and uh the what was it racial the, equity. that's the, the racial equity in education mm-hmm. this is all the intolerance of man's humanistic law that uh is attempting to abolish discrimination that was 1967 Mm. to abolish discrimination Uh, and all it does is destroy freedom and the result is loss of freedom to the people and the accrual of power to the state more and more law regulation to enforce humanistic ideology in a totalitarian way uh so that we see the steady demise of genuine liberty and freedom. And of course, that's the opposite of the direction of uh, the law of God, that of the Lord Jesus Christ, what Christ intends for us uh, as free men and women, mm. live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, says the Apostle Peter. And so this is an attempt to undo the fruit of the resurrection, it's an attempt to say that man is not to be God's vicegerent uh, in and through Christ. Uh, he is to serve the state mm-hmm. and and uh, enforce 
the ideology of idolatry um, and humanism uh, through the education and legal system and gradually stamp out all dissent to it. And these are disturbing developments. These are very, very large weeds. I would say we're beyond where it's beyond the case that we have a flower garden with weeds in it. I would say that we've got a we've got a garden overrun with weeds with right. some flowers here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, there is a lot of work to do to deal with the, the roots. Mm-hmm. It and is speed- still a flower garden. Though. Yeah, like, right. That's so, correct. Yeah, right. It's still a flower garden that's been overrun. Mm-hmm. And uh, Christ, of course, is still pruning his vines. And um, uh, we have every reason to believe that the, 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 the word of God and the spirit of God is more than able mm-hmm. to do what is necessary to choke out the, the weeds that are in the garden, however long it takes, mm-hmm. and cultivate the, the flower garden of the kingdom that uh, is, is, the, is the task of the Lord's people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just wanted to mention earlier the speed at which these weeds are popping up, especially in Canada, is, is alarming. And we just, we need to be attentive as Christians. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, parenthetically, this is one of the reasons why a, a true principled Christian education is so important. Absolutely. Because, you know, not, not only uh, on the, uh, like, on the negative side, will, are you actively protecting your children from mm-hmm. the increasing overreaching attempts to to indoctrinate them through the public mm-hmm. system, the mm-hmm. increasingly overt attempts to mm-hmm. do so. That's right. But a uh, a Christian and classical education take takes responsibility for mm-hmm. its own history. Mm-hmm. You know, so for for right and for wrong, know we we know who we are and where we have come from, mm-hmm. and we can we can act, we can stand before God in in that. Uh, that vicegerent role. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Joe, Nate, I know that we're uh, getting long on time, so let me just uh, close us off by reminding you, as ever, that you've been listening to the podcast for Cultural Reformation. We do this week in and week out because from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To God be the glory, I will accord to you.